0: As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And we just just introduced our late season pricing. You can choose from season long, four week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs for the remainder of the season. Use code SHARP25 for 25% off any product site wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. What is going on? Sharp football, fantasy family. This is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar. And we are here. We made it. It is week 14. We are in the middle of December. Hopefully, everyone's got the stockings getting prepped. Gifts are coming in, and hopefully, you've got some fantasy cash coming to fund in all of that Christmas uh, you know, and gifts that you're going to give out here. It is the last week of the fantasy regular season for a number of leagues. Some playoffs have already started in larger field stuff. It's the final week of bye weeks, and I brought in a great guest here. I had to call in a uh, the phone, a friend, you know, and bring him in in December <laughs> late in the season. Uh, and it's someone that, you know, everyone I think loves listening to this guest because he has his own niche in the, in the industry. And that is Matt Harmon from Yahoo sports and reception perception. what's what's going on, brother.
1: Rich, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, it's been a long time since you and I have done a show together. Always enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It is a it is a crazy time of year with holidays uh, intersecting uh, with our fantasy lives. I'm like, all right, I got to write this column, but also... These lights uh, ain't gonna hang themselves <laughs> outside, so uh, that's the place of my life I'm at now. So it's a it's, it's a fun time, buddy. I'm I'm looking forward to podcasting with you.
0: You know, uh, my my wife actually wants legs to do all that stuff herself, and I just get in the way. She just kicks me out the uh, day after Thanksgiving. She's like, "Just get out of my way. I don't even want you here. <laughs> you, you don't do. You, all you do is slow me down, and you get get it. Uh, you don't, just get in my way completely. So I just need you to exit, and I'll <laughs> I'll handle this on. I'm like, all right, cool. I hey, hey just <laughs>
1: like a just like a football team, we all have our role. Uh, some of us are the game plan executor and, you know, the play designer and everything. And somebody's just got to get out there and execute it at the same time. So, yeah, we've all got our roles when it comes to holiday decorating. There are certainly a few things I am not allowed to touch in the house, but uh, some of them I'm the other way around. It's like, all right, let me just handle this.
0: Yep. Yep. So, hey, I, I typically, you know, exit uh, that Friday, that Friday morning, come home, and everything's done and it's nice. So, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it. You can't beat it. But, uh, you know, I, I always kind of uh, the on this podcast, you know, I always like to bring in the guests and kind of just kind of get a little feel for for their background. And you're someone that I think, you know, you've been around for now so many number of years that probably a lot of people, you know, ever really are familiar with the Matt Harmon background story. I mean, I remember doing podcasts with you and geez, I want to say like 2014, 2015 with Chad Scott, yeah. you know, fake goods. And, you know, you were kind of still doing you know, backyard banter, trying to figure stuff out. So kind of want you uh, just kind of give the the synopsis. You can go as detailed as you want into it. Just like, you know, where you got started and how you got to to this point right now uh, over at Yahoo.
1: Dude, I like you say that. It, it does feel like quite a long time ago now at this point that I've been doing this, like way beyond the point where I was like, uh I can never have a real job, right? Like, give me a break with that. But, uh, you know, yeah, 2014 uh, was when I kind of, first started working at football guys, uh, was freelancing for the Washington post at that time as well. Uh, the year before that was really when I first started my own website in 2013 backyard banter, like you mentioned, um, started the early testing on reception perception, uh, which is obviously, as you mentioned, uh, the series that I I do evaluating wide receiver play, the methodology that i put to kind of try to quantify the qualitative reality of route running, which now has its own site reception, perception.com. I'm very happy about that. That feels like a long time dream in the making, but yeah, man, I mean, the beginning stages is just doing those like freelance posts and then end up um, getting a job somehow, some way at NFL network. I was there for a good, you know, I think that's a, actually, I run into a lot of people that don't realize that I ever, worked at NFL, uh, and, you know, started as a associate fantasy editor, eventually worked my way into doing some TV stuff, doing podcasts mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, then my, made, made my way to Yahoo in 2018, uh, partnered with the fantasy footballers for their draft kit, which is where reception perception lived for a while. And yeah, now, now, man, I've been, been at Yahoo for a few seasons, kind of doing that whole thing and obviously have the, my own site as well. So, you know, it was one of those, um, things people ask me you know always like well, how did you end up in doing this it's like i just ended up i just started doing it you know on my own uh, and that's the biggest thing found something that i really loved like found a question about the game which was for me what are wide receivers doing when we see them run off the screen on sunday uh like somebody should really be it doesn't make sense that a wide receiver can get You know, wide the f open, uh, and then the quarterback throws him this crazy, inaccurate ball, and it goes down as a a target that they didn't catch. Somebody should really be giving wide receivers credit for that. I was like, I guess I got time on my hand. I'll I'll be the one to do that. And then, and then that pursuit basically kind of took me to where we are today.
0: Uh, How how have things gone with uh, reception perception now with the kind of the wonky layout with the the all all the game pass? Yeah, there's been a (laughs) lot. (laughs) <laughs> There's been some some situations there. I will admit
1: there was one week or so where I was uh, kind of like, oh my god, what if what if Game Pass really just if they're they just take away all 22, like they just completely take it away and like they just never put it out there again. Uh, I admit, like one week there, I was like, I- am I just finished? Am I done? Like,
0: I thought it- about you when that was all going down. I was like, I was like, I wonder how this is impacting Harmon.
1: I know I was like I just I I just started a website I just started a business about this whole thing and like now now this is going to happen to me um but we figured it out don't I'm not I'm not concerned about that at this point but there was definitely a week there also I mean you know like there's always more guys that I want to do that that I didn't get to especially and you know when I was working with the fantasy footballers, I was contracted to do like their top 50 players. Um, there was always a couple guys. I was very curious to do beyond that. And same thing this year too. I think I got to like over 70 players yeah. are on the site and still then I'm like, you know what? I really want to see what Jacoby Myers looks like, but it's like, I can't get film because of game pass and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, you know? So like there was, that was another thing for me is like, I, and we talked about sickos off the top. I, I'm, a, I'm a sicko that like wants to learn more about all different kinds of the receivers in the league. So that was another stressful part. It's like, man, people really want this Jacoby Myers uh, profile on the discord. They're asking about it every day. and day. I'm like, I'm waiting on the NFL to uh, get that film back up.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I always, uh, I always like when you put it out there on like suggestions, because I like to see the weirdos that people like want to want to oh look at. Cause it's going to be always some obscure player that they've got on like their, you know, ninth dynasty spot, like Quez Watkins or something, you know? Uh, oh, <laughs>
1: it's always some guy too. That's like, Oh, why don't you chart uh, this player who's played like five snaps? It's like, <laughs> Yeah. I, I actually did. I actually did have, you know, now that I do the discord with the site too, I, there's a literal channel in there. There's just like people's, um, Suggestions, uh, you know, that they'd like to see that aren't obvious guys that are going to end up on the site, like, you know, Devontae Adams or something like that. You don't have to suggest Devontae Adams, but um, there was a whole, de- like, I was doing like polls in there too. And one was pretty competitive, like between McCole Hardman and Brian Edwards. And, you know, I had somebody chime in, like, Brian Edwards, guy caught like 11 passes. Go chart him yourself. We want to see Hard, like, <laughs> so, responding to somebody else, like, go look at it yourself. Like, let it, we want Hardman, get Hardman on the, on the, pro. turns out both of them were, and usually this is the case too. A complete waste of time so that's another
0: part <laughs> i saw you put the, the the kibosh on uh not allowing tight ends in the door even the guys that aren't uh running yeah. inline pass routes i saw that you shut that down really quick
1: and the kyle pitts thing is like it's pushing it man uh people are people really want to say that like this is different and everything i mean you talked about how long we've been doing the show uh or you have know, been like we know each other in the industry i've been getting requests ever since the beginning days of reception perception like what about jordan reed like what if you charted jordan reed or whatever like, he's pretty different than most tight ends or whatever I'm like i get it but once you open pandora's mm-hmm. box it's tough to close it um if i oh, if i do kyle pitts everybody will want and the reality is there's a couple reasons why i don't do this for people that actually might be curious i mean just even like 20 minutes ago i saw somebody tweeted me asking me what about like reception perception for pass catching running backs uh actually oh, austin boy. eckler uh, austin eckler himself actually gave this is a funny story austin uh, austin eckler himself actually gave me uh, some crap for not humble back catching running back yeah right shout out to me um anyways <laughs> we, were, we were talking one time and he's uh I'm t- he's like oh, you know what do you actually do as your real job or whatever i was like i'm talking about reception perception he's like oh cool so what's my reception perception i was like well you're a running back i didn't I didn't chart you. And he's so offended. He's like, well, I look at, he's like got his slot rate, like memorized or whatever, ready to throw like right back in my face. But you know, uh, like I said, there's a couple of reasons why you don't want to do that. It's number one. I have over 300 players now in the wide receiver database for reception perception. Like I know what's good and what's bad and where things fall from like a, uh, a percentile standpoint and like thresholds and everything like that for wide receivers if we started back at tight ends and, and running backs, I mean, we're back at square one. I would have really no idea what, what the data means. And also like, I got enough work on my plate. You know, <laughs> that's the real reason.
0: I, I, how So how much uh, of reception perception do you actually get to like during the course of an NFL week, like actual charting players are going back and looking at specific wide receivers around all the work that you have going on that you, that you're responsible for at Yahoo. Do you, do you get in to the weeds? I know you did, and if you go to reception, reception.com, Matt did a midseason season like all the rookie wide receivers. So go and check that out. We'll touch on some of those a little bit. But how much do you actually get to see like other players that maybe are going through like a little lull or just something you're interested in?
1: Yeah, I tried to do that more this year. I mean, I really wouldn't have had a home to publish it in years past, which is the great part about the site. And, you know, definitely. I would love to do more of that. I think this this year with the rookie report was the first year that I ever did that. Like, I've, you mean, know, obviously in season, I'm charting a little bit here and there, but this was the first year I ever published that info, which was, you know, again, kind of as an inaugural thing for the site, let's do this rookie report where, like you mentioned, mid-season, we check in on all these guys. And it was really, I think, enlightening, especially for somebody like Elijah Moore, uh, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. And, you know, I I did it for Odell Beckham too, when he got traded, you know, big, I, I would love for like when big things happen like that, like let's get in there and, and let's throw up an Odell Beckham, uh, you know, profile, like let's see if he's still getting open because his dad clearly thinks he's getting open, you <laughs> know, posting YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, I would love to do more of that. You know, for example, like with Allen Robinson, you know, it's like, Oh, let's, let's like throw up a reception perception on Allen Robinson from early in the year or something like that. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, if I'm charting games, I'm mostly keeping the data just to use in like my own individual analysis. But the grind of the content through the regular season does not leave the uh, as much time as I would like, but you know, who knows down the line, we'll, we'll see where things go.
0: Nice. Nice. Uh, I've been asking everyone now that we're so deep into the season. I mean, just do you have any like just general top-down thoughts uh, on this NFL season? Have you thought it's been a good season? A bad season is good for fantasy reality. Like what, what is kind of your overall takeaway, uh, any direction you want to take it just from the 2021, you know, 13 weeks we've had go by already.
1: I think it's been a really fun season. I think there's been good storylines. I think um, I, I'm always going to be in favor of the unpredictability. Like I, I mm-hmm. really don't understand when people get so up in arms about how oh, fantasy it's so, you know, it's, it feels more unpredictable than ever, or this outcome. So unpredictable. Well, kind of, that's like part of the terms of agreement, like the user <laughs> the user guide. When you when you sign up for it, that's the conditions that you're, you're submitting yourself to is that the NFL is inherently unpredictable. Um, there were some more egregious examples of that, I think, than ever, especially around the 49ers to start the year. That was, like, all-time mm. unpredictable stuff. You know, Trey Sermon and Brandon Ayuk, especially Trey Sermon, man. I mean, I've been telling people all year, and I drafted a decent bit of Trey Sermon, but, like, so maybe I'm just – I'm overcomp- I'm overcompensating here for myself. But I've been telling people that drafted Trey Sermon, like, let yourself off the hook for that. Like, don't let that bring you up. Like, if we had gotten one, like, just one uh, – RIP roto world blurb of um, you know Elijah Mitchell might beat out Trey Sermon for starting job nobody's drafting Trey Sermon in the sixth round but we heard like none of that stuff you know so um, let yourself off the hook for that type of unpredictability but uh, I, I really enjoyed this season I think there's been so many good twists and turns I, I have also enjoyed like kind of the return to some teams like just trying to like establish the run and become more of a hardcore like rush first team and you know this like too high thing becoming the boogeyman of the nfl and everything like that i've enjoyed the the weird twists and turns i think this season has taken so far
0: that was one of the things i was going to ask you about because you know you obviously are kind of a almost an authority on this topic because you watch so many wide receivers and pass routes and, and, and coverage, you know, you are one of the first people I, I saw, like actually illuminate, like actual, like double coverage stats and, you know, uh, things like that. And, you know, kind of bringing up some actual data to the, to the party that said like, well, this is how much a guy is actually double covered and, you know, versus help coverage and things yeah. like that. Um, I was going to ask your opinion on, you know, on the, you know, the counter punch that we've seen kind of defensively uh, one. If it is, it is a true boogeyman, or is it just kind of more like pick and select? And that's just kind of like the narrative people are running with it. Or do you believe like there's some credence to it? Because you look at passing stats the last five weeks, they've just cratered this season. Like mm-hmm. passing stats league wide have just sunk. And we've seen fantasy scores kind of follow suit. If you play, even if you play yeah. DFS, like scores have been low over the past month or so. And it's not just typical cold weather stuff. So, yeah, I wanted to get your opinion. If it's anything like you notice, like there's actual truism to it. And we're starting to see like uh, where offenses are now going to have the counterpunch maybe go a little big again
1: I do think that that is probably the case like I think that a lot of these teams you know the Colts for example have just been unstoppable really when they want to run the ball and they want to get physical and be that ground and pound team like I wonder if we're seeing sort of a a shift in that way the defenses have gotten so light and so like ready to uh, defend the pass and everything like that I kind of wonder if we're going to see everything seems to be cyclical in the NFL. At least that's what like the old heads would tell us anyways. And I feel like we're kind of getting to a point where over the the previous like five years, basically, since I've been, you know, really doing this super full time, it's all just been pass first, pass first, pass first. I wonder if we, in the next five years, see some teams like return to a more physical attack. And I think that you almost just can't be too, like we've seen, how how many times Rich have we seen folks like kind of theorize like, what if a team just decided to completely give up on the run and, you know, because it's more efficient or to throw the ball from a yards per attempt basis and everything like that. I feel like the 20, uh, the 2020 and the 2021 bills, were probably about as close as we're going to get in that regard. (laughs) Like, let's just come. And I mean, how many times have you watched the bills this year? I know this has happened for me. I've watched bills and be like, you know what? Be real nice if they could run the ball right now. I mean, even Monday night was like an extreme example because of the weather, but still several times throughout the year, it's like, man, if they had somebody better than friggin' Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to just like hand the ball off to a couple times, like that would that I think it'd help their team. So I do wonder if that's there's some cyclical uh parts to this as well. On the coverage thing, too. I put a post about this on reception perception too. Um I have really put a lot of stock into uh, the success rate versus man and press coverage numbers and reception perception over the history of the series, which it, it dates back to 2014. Like I said, over 300 players in the database, I know like what's predictive with those two metrics. Uh, I do start. I do think we're going to have to start putting more emphasis on the success rate versus zone coverage metric, um, you know, going forward as well, because you look at some of the guys that have outright crushed it this year. Cooper Cup, one of the best in success rate versus zone and reception perception through the history of the series. Debo Samuel as well. You know, these guys that are sort of in hyper specialized roles, but even some players like Deontay Johnson was number one in success rate versus zone coverage last year. Um, Marquise Brown has always been better in that than he is in success rate versus man. Like I list off some more specific examples in the, in the article, but I think with the way that defensive uh, systems are changing, you know, even just like from a percentage standpoint, guys are running more routes against zone coverage. Teams are running more uh, heavy zone looks uh, than they were, you know, several years ago when kind of that cover three, like uh, you know, Seattle style defense was, was pervasive across the entire NFL. So I think, Coverage looks are definitely changing, and I think defensive football is changing, and how offenses adjust to it um, and the players that they look for will be pretty interesting to see how they kind of uh, try to mount their counterpunch.
0: Yeah, I, I also wonder, I talked to us a little about Evan Silva, too, and it feels like the league right now has an extreme talent deficiency at defensive back as well. Like we don't have a lot of these elite cornerbacks that we grew up with, you know, the, the brand names. Um, And it seems like teams have really had to kind of go to more, uh, you know, want to play more shell coverage. And because of that too, as well, they just don't have the, the talent to, to run a lot of, you know, man coverage. Um, and it always helps when you have the, the, the pass rushers to be able to drop back and play coverage too. Uh, you know, right. You like at- who are, who are the, who are like the five? Cause I know that wide receiver cornerback
1: matchups like took over fantasy. I feel like for, for a while. Yeah. Too, it's like two old men here talking about it the back <laughs> in the day. It does feel this is a whole nother conversation. It does feel like the industry has changed a lot in the last like two years, but, Topic for another podcast. Um, like wide receiver cornerback matchups like took over mm-hmm. uh, the 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 way that we talked about football like a few years ago, uh probably like four years ago or something like that. Now it feels like who are even like the five guys that you're yeah. like, afraid of? Like I <laughs> I don't know. Like people wanted to put like Trayvon Diggs in that conversation because he's getting a lot of picks, but like he was also giving up a lot of plays too.
0: Yeah, I mean you you only get a lot of interceptions if guys are targeting you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that it's, it's, you know, kind of one hand, one hand and one, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Ramsey is, I think, considered like the best cornerback and he does it, they have him basically play the star position now, which yeah. is kind of like a sub linebacker. Uh, he doesn't even really follow anybody around right now. And I think, you know, Tradavius White was kind of one of those guys and. There are just not many guys that even really shadow or are considered guys that no. really follow guys around. I mean, Darius Slay's mixed it in a little bit, and he's played well this year. Uh, and what we've had, I mean, like, even look at the guys, the corners that are playing well, like A.J. Terrell's have a phenomenal year. He stays stationary. He plays he on one side on of the side, field. Yeah. And, you know, Yusuf. yeah, it, it is interesting that it has not been as popular as a thing this year. Um, and I think just think, too, as more context, you know, started to come out. I mean, there nothing really has ever guided my gears more than, like, slot cornerbacks versus slot wide receiver matchups you know from <laughs> yeah. from charting slot wide receivers i mean they're running they're running routes almost exclusively not not exclusively through zone but like they're getting you know they're running through holes and defenses like they're not just like a slot quarterback is not guarding the cooper cup and just one-on-one lining up on him right um, he's giving up a lot of production to running backs and tight ends because it's just where his assignment is on the field. Uh, so, I mean, we've kind of moved away from that, but uh, we could go, we'll, we'll take, we'll they'll take us in a whole different direction if we go down oh, yeah, no <laughs> uh, that road. But yeah, I do think though, because the, there, there is kind of a, like a lot of teams just don't run deep at cornerback that they've been forced to play a lot of zone too. Um, you know, that's why you see a team like that's aggressive like the Dolphins, uh, you know, get away with it and blitz and just run gauge eight every play. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, but you but you also have a team like the Bucks who blitz a lot too. They don't have the cornerbacks, they but they run a lot of like a lot of zone behind the blitzes. Mm-hmm. And and you know that's what they've been forced to do, but uh yeah, it's interesting. You also write a weekly article at Yahoo where you kind of just go in and think about everything that happened. Do you write the Sunday night the uh, five things that matter and five things that don't?
1: Yeah. Five things I care about and five things I don't uh, care about that publishes every Sunday night, usually around like, uh, well, I submit that bad boy, like 9 PM Pacific. So it goes up pretty late. Usually your best bet is to read it Monday morning.
0: I mean, all you people that do Sunday articles, man, I mean, I'm not envious of you people get on me for doing like the worksheet early in the week, but Pazuda at our site writes a Monday article. And I'm yeah. like, you guys are the guys really grinding. Cause you know, you get, you're not even taking a beat. You're not, you're just going right, right out of the games and writing stuff. But uh, this week, you yeah. know, uh, on some of the things that you wrote that matter, trust me,
1: I'm feeling it, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I always need like that one recalibration. Cause I don't even tweet a lot on Sundays. I kind of just like yeah, watch the either. games with my son and we just enjoy the games. It's like, I worked all week for this. Like, let me just take a beat and enjoy football. Cause I, I love football. And that's I what know, led yeah, me to this. Same. And I don't want to hate it. I don't ever want it to be a point where I'm like, you know, what, screw this. I, you know, screw this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I always take that beat on Sunday. Um, but one of the things you wrote about this week was, you know, kind of the performance that we've seen, really kind of for the last maybe five quarters, you know, from Russell Wilson that he's kind of, you know, back ish. Uh, and you know, he's the, the Seattle schedule is pretty awesome too. You also wrote an article about, you know, uh, end of season schedules for a number of teams too. So check that on on Yahoo. But not spinning it towards Russell Wilson, but, you know, since I do have the wide receiver godfather here, uh, I want you to touch on, like, this little bit of a dry spell we've had for uh, one DeKael and Metcalf. And if he's going to be someone that you see, you know, kind of, uh, you know, getting out of this funk and, you know, finishing strong, especially maybe starting this week with this matchup against the Texans.
1: I know, right? Yeah. Um... He's pretty cheap in daily fantasy uh, and facing the Texans. And, you know, if Russ is back ish, I think that's about all we're looking for. I think he, Russ, played pretty well. I think better than he played, like throw out the fantasy finishes or whatever. I think he played better against the 49ers than he did against the Washington football team uh, a couple weeks, like a week before. Uh, I think this was his best game by far since he's, he's been back. It would have looked even better and I say this as somebody that had to play Gerald Everett in uh, our Roto World, uh, f- what, what's it called? Our Roto World uh, Friends, Friends and Family, and Family league, league yeah. whatever. I had to play <laughs> Gerald Everett in that league. I mean, the team stinks anyways, but I had to play Gerald Everett because the loss of Dan Arnold was just too much to bear. Man, <laughs> Gerald Everett, it was like, I've never thought an NFL player was point-shaven before, but I was like, man, Gerald Everett, Like might be point shaver this game i think russ's uh, game would have looked a lot better had uh, gerald ever mm-hmm. decided to show up and play a little bit, bit better there but um you know i think with with dk metcalf i think there's nothing really been wrong with him per se i mean he's i think he's one of the best receivers in the nfl i think he's great off the line of scrimmage he's great on um and i think they've almost in a way tried to overcorrect to this like I've for years gotten on Seattle about being too boomer bust as an offense, uh, you know, being too run run deep pass uh type of play calling there and I am starting to get to a point where I think they might have, you know, they're trying to get uh DK on some of these shorter routes and that's great and all, but they've also got to take their shots too with them and I, I don't think they've been as great about that as they've been in years prior, but I think this this dry spell that we've got uh from DK here is mostly all rust related. Like I there there's been serious problems with Russ since he's been back. Obviously, the finger could be an issue, but it also could just be that you know Russell Wilson is a guy whose entire game like he wants to brand himself as like Drew Brees or something like that, but he's never been that type of passer, no. even you know, obviously, so much of it is based on the athleticism and I mean, as age comes for us all, we all get a little bit less explosive. I feel like Russ looks a a lot less explosive than he used to. And even then, from a passing standpoint, like Russ has never been the guy to matriculate the offense down the middle of the field. Um, And I think that's just led to a very volatile nature for all of these guys since he's come back and been physically compromised too. But um, I don't really have too many concerns about Metcalf. Uh, I I think it will be fascinating to see Metcalf and Lockett with a new quarterback next year, because I'm guessing that that's probably what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, I feel like it's been a lot more esteemed this year, and I don't know if it's just because of the nature of Twitter and not to really kind of be like an, an old man yelling at the, the clouds, but it feels like a lot of these wide receivers now, like there's like a, a almost a general consensus of like a guy is overrated if he has like three or four bad games in a row. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you that too. As someone that, you know, watches a lot of these wide receivers, we inherently know wide receivers are volatile from a fantasy stance, but as a guy that watches – you know, a wide receiver run every route for like a a five or six game sample in a row. And even when they're not being productive, um, is is it common to just kind of like see these, these lapses, you know, for wide receivers? And is it just an overreaction of maybe social media has has taken this thing like over, over the shark a little bit?
1: I don't think, and most of it has to do with production. I mean, I think that production mostly drives all of our narratives about wide receivers. And as you mentioned, which that's kind of silly because, you know, production is so volatile for these players. And it it just makes sense, right? Like a wide receiver is lucky to get 10 targets in a game. Like that's, that's, they can, and they're running, you know, for some of these guys, 30 plus routes in a game. Mm -hmm. So you're maybe again, if you're lucky, if you're one of the guys, you're getting like eight to 10 targets a game, that's less than 30% of usually what you're doing from a routes run uh, perspective. So you know, I think these guys can be out there getting separation, getting open uh, on you know, seven, sixty, seventy the, percent of their pass plays or something like that. But then what it just depends on is the target gonna get there, is the target to, and this is why this is like the reason I wanted to start reception perception, wanted to study the position, is because you know, this guy could be out there executing his assignment on a route by route basis, but you know you then you're taking the influence of the quarterback player. You're taking in the influence of whether the play was even designed to go your way, the offensive line, giving the quarterback enough time to get there. Um, but there are some players, I mean, for the most part, I would say 90% of 90 to 95% of the time, like guys are who they are and they're pretty consistent within reception perception every year. Uh, and then within a season, but there are certainly guys who have hit slumps before and then come back. Like, I feel like, Robbie Anderson's a good example of this year that like the guy was just playing poorly for so for randomly kind of out of nowhere, and that definitely happens. I think that we um we put too much we put too much emphasis on like these micro samples or whatever, and then like try to w- extrapolate it out when i mean I don't know can we curse can I curse on this show yeah, sure <laughs> I mean like sometimes the right answer in fantasy is just like shit happens and, yeah. and like that's as, as simple as it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variants on a play-to-play basis in the NFL. One of those guys <laughs> kind of going through one of those, like, micro balls, and it's for – it, I mean, Jesus, the kids played 12 games, is Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, right. we, we, we were given this, like, gift from the heavens, right? You know, how many weeks in a row did we see the tweet, Jamar Chase has broken the record for X number of yards through uh-huh. X number of games, right? And, like, yeah. we were so spoiled out of the box, and now that – we've got a, a guy that's now getting a lot more attention. I saw in your reception perception, not to give away some of the goods, but you know, from the rookie receivers you charted, his double coverage rate was double that of any of the other rookies yeah. easily yeah. Uh, of, of the guys. And we're starting to see how teams are starting to try to take that away. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about Jamar Chase is that um, from a fantasy stance, it's just like we, he, I, and I'll, I'll pitch you on this is you know, Does he just, does he just need a secondary pitch right now? And, and, you know, as a rookie, maybe he doesn't have it yet. You know, he was so good on downfield targets that once those have kind of gotten taken away and the variance of those targets have swung in the other direction, some his own fault, like last weekend there, you know, it's hard for, we, we just have no other points. He was, he was accruing so many of his points on those downfield targets that you know, we're going to need some, you know, uh, some some slants, some hitches, some freebies, right, from, from him a little bit. And uh, maybe that's just kind of what's slowing it down as he just develops, uh, you know, out of this little law.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to remember, too, that, like, he didn't play football last mm-hmm. year and had such an odd offseason, too, that, you know, we were just running so hot on the right side of variance <laughs> this year that it was uh, – always going to come to an end. I mean, the guy was not going to be like a top five fantasy receiver in his first season. Those, This is not how this thing, these things work. We're on the pretty other end of the extreme right now. You'd like to, at some point bounce back to the middle with Jamar chase here. But like you mentioned, when you look at his uh, route percentage chart and reception perception from the rookie uh, report, there's not a lot of slants. There's not a lot of flat routes. There's not a lot of screens. There's, there's just not a lot of usage in that area. Everything like the greens and yellows to be above or at the NFL average in terms of route percentage, they're all like down the field, intermediate areas. Like I would love to see them get him some more short area usage. Now his strength is always going to be as a downfield yeah. receiver. And and that's where his, his bread is going to be butter and everything like that. But the one thing I, I said about him in the rookie report, and I said this in his, um, scouting like uh, profile for reception perception because I got back to doing college players this year going into the NFL was that man he's just good at everything like he sneaks up on you with how good he is after the catch and everything like that I would love to see them get him some more opportunities there Um, you know and he's kind of chirping too in the media about teams trying to take him away and and how he thinks the coaches can adjust that I don't really know what he means by like you know, he he'd like to move around more. Cause he was basically a pure X receiver at LSU. He's been a pure X receiver in the NFL. I'm not quite sure. Like Justin Jefferson was there like straight up slot receiver at LSU in 2019. So I don't really know where we're getting it with the, like I used to move around a lot type of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I would. I agree with you. I like him developing some more um, secondary moves, like uh, getting more layup targets, I think would be huge. And they've really just turned to T Higgins for that, who is a good player. You know, T Higgins is like the classic consummate number two possession receiver. So I'm not surprised that he's popped back up as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that, that you'd love to see both him develop in this area and then give him more chances in some layup routes there.
0: Yeah, I mean, T playing as well as he has these these last few weeks can only help him too, you know, trying to draw some coverage away. I mean, Higgins has been the foxhole guy for the Bengals. He leads the team in third down targets since he came back, and he also leads the team in targets against the Blitz. So he's, he, you know, he's Burroughs kind of foxhole guy right now. Uh, Cause you said he's running those routes. You know, the, those are the routes you get. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting a five-man rush or a six-man rush. I mean, you're not running the nine you're not throwing the nine route very often. No. Uh, you know, unless you're, you're Justin Fields, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll chuck that nine out. route. <laughs> One rookie though, that is kind of oscillated and now is looking like he is the man. And has been set up to be the man now with this injury to Corey Davis is uh, Elijah Moore, who, he had a, a strong contingency throughout the draft process, and I know that he did well on your end as well. Um, but you look at him now the last three weeks, over 30% of the team targets. I mentioned Corey Davis is now out. And he's not even playing what I believe is what will be his natural position in the NFL, you know, being more of a, you know, a slot plus guy. And he has thrived. And you wrote about this this week that, hey – let's throw out this thing with Zach Wilson. He's tied to Zach Wilson. So we just have to appreciate how good Elijah Moore is, despite all of this um, and treat him basically as a wide receiver too, even through the volatility here and not really get caught up on the Zach Wilson thing.
1: Yeah. Like there will be some volatility because of Wilson and, you know, we'll see what happens with Zach Wilson, everything like that. But your point about him not playing his natural position he played so much slot like and faced so little press coverage uh, in his collegiate reception perception sample but so far uh, in his rookie report 72.6 percent of his snaps outside in the game sampled for reception perception and 74.9 percent on the line of scrimmage and that's important um for people who don't like kind of dive into the nerd stuff with receiver alignment and everything. That means, you know, you can sometimes be on the line if you're lining up in the slot, but more often than not, like he's out there playing a true number one, like X receiver role. Um, He's doing the hard stuff at the position. He's not getting the little, you know, free releases off the line of scrimmage. He's facing a decent bit of press coverage out there, the tight physical coverage on the outside. And, Like you mentioned, he's been unbelievable doing that. You know, I loved Elijah Moore. I thought his, like, best comparison was probably a Tyler Lockett guy. And, you know, I've always thought, like, Lockett, is not just a slot receiver. Like Lockett could play outside if they wanted him to. And I think Elijah Moore so far is showing, like, he doesn't have to be a a slot receiver. Among the guys charted in reception perception in the rookie report, number two in success rate versus man coverage, number three against zone, and number two against press. Like, he has been just getting open at every level. Um, I think this guy's a star. Like, I think he's, I mean, you know, Corey Davis is gone now at this point, so it's not, like, relevant to say that, because it's like... Even in week one, if you, you know, before the season played out, it's like, who do I think is going to be better long term? I think Elijah Moore is 100% going to be a better player than Corey Davis. Like, I, he's you just have to kind of, um, you know, close your eyes and take the plunge with the Zach Wilson part of it. Sure. Would we like him to be with a better quarterback? Yeah. And have we seen him thrive with like Joe Flacco and Mike White? Sure. But I, these two guys can develop, uh, over the time, uh, that we've got them the rest of the season and then, uh, hopefully into next year as well. I just think Moore is, he's just open on like almost every play. And, uh, that's, it's, it's going to be tough to stop him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the great re- one of the great resources, uh, that reception perception is, is, you know, it's easy to look at uh, Elijah Moore's either his counting stats or inherently know that Zach Wilson isn't good for him, but then you can go back and, and check the data of like, Oh yeah, this is how much he's actually getting open compared to all these other players and kind of, then you can start to really hash out you know, the, the difference in talent. Right. Um, one, one, another rookie that has been absolutely thriving. And it, it feels like I see, I've seen some people talk about like, well, he's this guy's now a locked and started like the, the kid's been a locked and starter for, for 10 weeks. And that's Jalen yeah. Waddle. Uh, you know, he's been the number one wide receiver because, you know, obviously, you know, Devontae Parker, he dealt with that early season hamstring and they've really leaned on Waddle and he's another guy that I don't believe is playing his, what will be his natural position in the NFL either too. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. And this was just a, a Pandora's box. I really didn't see coming um not that i thought he was uh just going to be like a a strict lid lifter in the nfl but i mean if you watch him in alabama it was like all explosive plays Mm -hmm. and he's really kind of just been kind of like the the the, the rpo like i don't want to keep using the word term foxhole foxhole guy but he's been the guy that is just getting all these you know targets uh you know near the line of scrimmage low a dot and we really haven't seen him unleash that like ability is after the catch because this dude was the most like phenomenal like kick return I've seen in college since Devin Hester and and we haven't really seen like that part be unlocked yet but uh you know because of the conditions the Miami offense has to operate in in this 2021 season given all the offensive line issues and personnel uh you know Jalen Waddell is thriving in a way that I really didn't kind of foresee happening in this role in this offense
1: yeah. He's been great. Uh, they just hammer him on, you know, those inbreakers on the RPO plays. Like you mentioned, and I think the key with Jalen Waddle uh, is, you know, they had him in this like Jarvis Landry role, like talk about our, our back in the day, uh, wars on Twitter, Rich. Like <laughs> people really wanted to fight about Jarvis Landry back in the day, and, and um, I like Jarvis Landry, but it's like, do we really need to reprise the the Jarvis Landry role? Is that really something we need to do with Jalen Waddle? Probably not. Uh, but he was kind of being used in those in those ways uh, early on uh, this season, but. I kind of feel like the longer he's played, the better he's gotten. And that makes sense. Cause he was coming off like a major injury. You know, he mm-hmm. played in that uh, college football championship game and it was like, why are you out there, Jalen Waddle? Like you, what are we doing here? Um, even in the off season, there were some reports that, you know, at different times made his ADP fluctuate, that he was not a hundred percent or was still working his way back from that ankle injury. I think the longer he's played this year, the faster and more explosive he's looked and, some of the explosive plays have started to creep in. You know, he had that big catch and run against the Carolina Panthers. And I've just been saying for weeks, like he's too fast. He's too explosive. He was number one among all these guys in success rate versus man coverage in college last year. Now there's some caveats here. Cause he didn't play a, a full season, and everything like that. There were injuries, but still, unbelievable separator i think he's probably at best in playing as a slot flanker hybrid type of guy um but i agree with you like some of those vertical looks are bound to come the longer he plays he's just in such a a poor situation for it right now with that dolphins offense flying
0: one guy that we looked like was going to be ascending ready for the the end of the season rookie bump, and it looked like we were going to get it was rashad bateman and what's happened the last two weeks Uh, what's going on? What's going on with Bateman and the Ravens?
1: I have no idea. This is one of the more confusing things. um, One of the more confusing developments to me, because, you know, the four games that he played uh, in his reception perception sample for the in-season rookie report. And those were like the literally the only four games he had played right before the report came out were those four, he was awesome. I mean, he was great. He's separating at all levels. Like I think he, you know, it, it's hard to say this now because I think Justin Jefferson might be one of the three best receivers in football, but that was the pre-draft comp for him, at least in reception perception. And he was like, yeah. And it's like, look, some of the data points in this rookie report, like, wow, this is, he could be that guy. Like he could be that guy uh, right now, you know, and they just don't play him. Like, he was running number four in terms of routes run last week, wasn't even in on the final drive, everything like that. And it's so strange because it's not just like, reception perception he was producing too in those first four games he was like a first down machine at one point he had 12 catches and 11 first downs or something like that in his first couple of games so I have no idea what's going on there it's it's weird um you know it's not as if like they're not playing him in their passing game is this is something I always tell people in fantasy like you know I was complaining or I wasn't complaining, but I was irritated with the Brandon Ayuk stuff early in the, uh, in the year for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm justified in being irritated by this because the 49ers offense isn't good right now to start the year. Like if they were out there crushing it and like, they're not, and Ayuk's not playing, it's like, well, I don't really have a lot of room to complain, but I feel like the Ravens need Rashad Bateman right now. Like, and I don't know whether he's just not stepping up or he's gotten, Like, he did get back on the injury report at one time before kind of this lull happened. So who the hell knows, man, but I, I, it's, it is a very confusing situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a team that has five touchdowns in their past 45 possessions. <laughs> over the past month uh 30 gotta get devin duvernay more touches though yeah i mean yeah in money time so yeah it's been really puzzling the final two the the past two weeks i get a lot of questions always on like sunday mornings like start sits and i'm like listen we this kid's got to be on your bench right now like i don't know you can't blame i don't know what to tell you he's just not you know able to play um but he was that was funny that was my comp to him too it was justin jefferson's the reason i love you're one of the people that kind of opened my eyes you know when we started doing this in in fantasy, you know, in the the mid 2010s, you know, there was that holy war of like big wide receiver versus, you know, small wide receiver. And, you know, I was someone that 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 was a little bit of like a chubby chaser. I like those clashers. I like, I like touchdowns, (laughs) man. I like touchdowns and there wasn't, And the way the NFL was played then, like that was like the archetype of the receiver, the Des Bryant, right? The bully, the bully ball. Yeah. And the NFL has shifted over the the, the course of the number of years. And, you know, more wide receivers, it's a speed and space game now, more wide receivers on the field than ever. And like I said, maybe this oscillates back uh, and it's more, you know, more two wide receivers, maybe two tight end stuff ends up happening but I started to focus more on like guys that get open and versatility over throughout the process, like started to fade the guys like Denzel Mims and get on the guys like Justin Jefferson and Rashad Bateman. But this year I let it happen again. And I was in love with Terrace Marshall throughout the process. I, mm. I absolutely loved him. I was like, Oh yeah, this he can play bit. He plays big game. He can play a small game. He's going to this offensive coordinator. That was the, the system. He played in college. No Whoops. longer there, <laughs> no longer oh, there oops. now. But also, while Joe Brady was there, and, he had, and Terrence Marshall had a tremendous preseason, it felt like. like he had a bunch of smoke coming. Yeah. There was a lot of steam. Yeah. And uh, go ahead and let us all down uh, as easily as possible uh, for what happened in the front half of the season. And the kid's only 21 years old, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's coming back for this.
1: Right. Uh, that is important to note. Like, he, you know, he's had some issues. He did get, get sent to the Sam Darnold hospital ball uh, equation there for, for a couple of weeks on the Kakasha protocol. Um, there were some positive notes in Terrace Marshall's like pre-draft reception perception profile, but this was one of the reasons I thought doing the rookie report would be extremely valuable um, to check in on these guys when they're actually in the NFL. Um and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll make the comp for why I think this is valuable a little bit, which was not going to make this very fun for uh, people that are invested in uh, Terrace Marshall. Forty-three point two percent success rate versus man coverage. That was the worst among the rookies in uh, the rookie report. Also poor against all types of categories as well. Just not great. Not and this not is excluding. Well and
0: this is excluding like Sam Darnold's play. This is yes, this yes, is correct. This yeah. is to put this that's in the context. Goal, the, the goal of
1: reception perception is to isolate the wide receiver as much as possible. Like the, always, there'll be some sort of noise, this, that, and the other, but I don't think you're going to find another metric out there. That's better at just isolating what the wide receiver does uh, and taking out outside variables. And so, yes, this is all just, this is not Sam Darnold's fault. Basically. This is Terrace Marshall uh, just his individual play. The, the player I compared him to in the rookie report, uh, was Jalen Rager who similarly had a horrific rookie season to the points like forget it like I'm if you had any hope for the guy like get out now based on his reception perception results um in 2020 he had the second worst success rate versus man coverage score ever charted was Jalen Rager and I wrote about this and I linked it to the the rookie report as well because it's kind of a, an older article on the site at this point I went back and looked at like Jalen Rager you know with that I know we're talking about Terrace Marshall and I feel like I'm bagging on Jalen Rager when everybody bags on Jalen Rager. So I apologize, but nevertheless, I think this is important. Um, After week one, I I sort of discussed like possible range of outcomes for Jalen Rager based on um, that horrific success rate versus man coverage score. When you look back at the data of the guys who have finished in the bottom of five of success rate versus man coverage, you've got Justin Hunter. Remember Justin Hunter? Oh, yeah, Justin Hunter. (laughs) Worst ever recorded. Then there's Jalen Rager, uh, Marquise Lee, Devontae Parker, and Devontae Adams. And I think those guys there all kind of provide a good range of outcomes for a player like Jalen Rager and a player like Terrace Marshall. There's the one range, which is you can go the Justin Hunter path, which is just like you wash out of the league. Nobody hears from you ever again. And you're just toast the now that's I feel like pretty unlikely. The other extremely unlikely one, and the most unlikely, I think, is that you become Devontae Adams. You go on to become, like, the best player in the entire in the entire NFL to position. Those two are the most unlikely polar extremes. The two in the middle, though, you know, maybe you can become Marquis Lee. You know, like, you're a player who flashes every now and again, but eventually you work your way out of football, and you, like, you top out at, it, like, 700 yards, something like that. That's pretty likely. Or you become, like, Devontae Parker, who – I maintain is at best an average starting receiver who had one great Fitzpatrick juiced up year and has mostly been disappointing otherwise, but I'm not that big of a Parker fan. Maybe that's just my own personal bias, but um, I think those are a pretty good range of outcomes for players like Terrace Marshall or Jalen Rager, and it's obviously not going very well for Jalen Rager right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was the one time I let my guard down, and this kind of how my process has gone down. And I, you know, just jamming in Terrace Marshall, and it's just man, it's been it's just stung. I've got the I've got him on some of these dynasty teams, and we're trying to figure out how we're gonna pick up the pieces. Uh. (laughs) I mean,
1: he was like supposed to play kind of that like power slot role, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I feel like at this point. He's just, he's just such a poor technician that you almost would rather just stick him outside and like, let him be a burner. But I don't know. The Carolina Panthers have been extremely weird with their receiver usage over the yes. last two years. Uh, and I, I feel like they are still a very strange team in that regard. And the fact that like he's become a healthy scratch for them at different points, that's extremely concerning as well.
0: Right. I, I, I know we're, we're, we're running up against it here, but I do want to pick your brain a little bit on a, a couple of things in week 14, but I want to get a couple of, Quick takes on some, some down the line stuff too, uh, on some wide receivers. Uh, one is your know, guy you brought up a couple of times on the show, Deontay Johnson. I I've get I get this on Twitter every now and again, is a lot of people ask me how I perceive Deontay Johnson is going to be in a post Ben world. Like this offense is actually helping him uh, be a, a good fantasy player. Uh, and I just want you to touch on Deontay Johnson uh, a little bit from a reception perception stance and for the future, no matter who the quarterback is.
1: Deontay Johnson, uh, almost like single-handedly changed my Twitter habits because, and I know that's a weird way to start this, uh, start this discussion off, but <laughs> I find him to be like the most, the way people discuss him is so frustrating. Cause it's like, Oh, look at his yards per target. It's like, dude, he's playing with Ben Roethlisberger. Like, are you kidding? Like look at his fantasy points per target. It's like just throw that stuff out there. If you watch Ben Roethlisberger over the last couple of years, but I think this guy is so good. Even in 2020, like I mentioned, number one in success rate versus zone coverage, number seven in success rate versus man coverage, 16th against press. Like this, a player like Deontay Johnson is the exact reason why I think charting this stuff out is so important because he gets opportunities to run downfield routes. It's not like he's, if you think he's out there every single snap, just running that little drag. I mean, you're fooling yourself there. Uh, Like he gets opportunities to run downfield and we've seen him actually get targets in that area this year, but even last year you watch him, like he's getting open on those plays. He is, really like a, a small new, like a, like a mini AB. Like, I mean, they're basically that same type of, or that same archetype of player um, Johnson last year, you know, this was the reason I had to like, okay, I can't, I can't be like looking at Twitter on game day anymore. Cause I, it's just, I can't have everybody like every time Deontay Johnson drops a ball last year, uh you know, just completely bury the guy and like, I'm going to want to respond and then I'm just going to ruin my night. I need to live a more peaceful existence. Let me alter my Twitter usage here. But uh, I mean, beyond the drops last year, I just think he was a, he, he's an extremely talented player, versatile route runner that separates at all levels of the field. Like, I would love to see him with a quarterback that's not Ben Roethlisberger. Like, sure, he gets, this is why I want to separate the variable of the quarterback from the wide receiver. Because yeah, Ben throws him these little pop gun passes all the time, um, but he can do a lot more than that. And I'm excited for a different quarterback to kind of uh, show that, who, who that might be is anybody's guess. Um, but I definitely think there is no rational argument that would tell you that Ben Roethlisberger is good for Deontay Johnson.
0: (laughs) One guy, I feel like a lot of people are just got their hands in the air with right now. Uh, if you're in a keeper league, you might've grabbed this guy thinking like, all right, you know, maybe next year they have Aaron Rodgers or they have, uh, Russell Wilson and that's uh Cortland Sutton who is another one of these guys is just kind of disappeared over the from the early part of the season um what what do you kind of foresee for Cortland Sutton like big picture uh you know and is this just or was this something you kind of thought like was in the range of outcomes for him as a receiver
1: I think the problem with Denver and these wide receivers especially is just they all just kind of cancel each other out like I didn't it's why I didn't want to draft any of these guys as much as I like Cortland Sutton I like Jerry Judy um and Tim Patrick I've always thought was kind of underrated it's like is a Teddy Bridgewater offense really going to support uh, three viable, like top, like, or two top 30 receivers, plus a tight end that's supposed to be a tight end one and Noah fan. And like Tim Patrick was always going to have a role. You basically, if you were going to draft Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy at their ADP in the off seasons, like you had to project that Tim Patrick was going to be a stone zero, which, I just didn't think that made a lot of sense. And we saw Teddy Bridgewater juice up the offensive stats in Carolina, but they were also playing with terrible defense all year where they were in like pass first situations. You really couldn't project the Broncos to be that way. So I kind of always thought that this nightmare where just you can't play any of these guys like Cortland Sutton averaging 3.5 targets per game over the last three weeks. I kind of always thought that was in the range of outcomes and, I mean, it's just, it's a conservative offense that's captained by the most conservative quarterback in the NFL. And, and they also still want to be a run heavy team with a two man backfield. So there's just not a lot of meat on the bone here in this current uh, Denver Broncos environment. And I also kind of think, Rich, like the fact that Denver, despite the fact that Cortland Sutton's doing nothing, Tim Patrick isn't really doing anything from a statistical perspective. The fact they go in and still extend both these guys makes me think that the front office knows like, all right, these guys are good. And we just we got to get a quarterback in here.
0: Good, at least gives people some hope, you know, we're going into next year yeah. because, you know, if he's, yeah. if he's buried, uh, one, one other guy I wanted to, to touch on real quick is you, you brought him up earlier and that's a uh, Marquise Brown, who is been kind of, I don't know how much in season charting you've done on Marquise Brown, but this feels like a different version of Marquise Brown than we've had the first two seasons. We've seen him kind of be more of a, a target volume guy. And even as the deep ball has died for Lamar Jackson uh, the past four weeks, because he, he's only completed five passes, 15 yards and further downfield in his past four starts. Uh, the targets are still coming for Hollywood and they're still getting mm-hmm. him near the line of scrimmage targets. Uh, so I also wonder too, maybe, you know, big picture, you know, it doesn't have to be a Hollywood versus Bateman thing, but is, is Hollywood Brown, one of these guys, he was a first round pick, one of these guys we underrated, or was he something that had always had some underlying, you know, kind of good metrics in your eyes. And we just kind of, this was never really used properly.
1: Yeah. Like I mentioned with him, he was top 10 in success rate versus zone coverage in each of his first two seasons. And um, I think he's kind of best being used as not a true number one. I think that was most of the problem last year is he had to run a lot against like ISO press man coverage as their number one outside receiver. And he's just not at his size. And I mean, I think he's a good route runner. I actually, you know, humble brag again, I talked to Marquise Brown about like some of his route running before uh, he came to the NFL draft and everything like that. And I, I think he's a very good technician, but You know, sometimes like you you just can't get past the fact that you're like 160 pounds or something like that or whatever. But um, I I think he was always a a good player. I think last year there was a confluence of events that really, you know, brought down his overall production. Uh, He's not been as he wasn't as good in success rate versus man coverage uh, as he was in his first season, but he's always been a poor performer against press. I think they've used him better this year because I mean, like even like regardless of what you think about Sammy Watkins, like it's better to be throwing out Sammy Watkins than, you know, Miles Boykin or like the husk of Des Bryant, you know, last year or whatever. So they could use Hollywood in more like of those layup ways. And I think that was something that, even started last year, you know, he's pretty good on slant routes, flat routes, you know, he can get those layup patterns, everything. They started to kind of bring his overall a dot down towards the back half of last season. And that's when he started producing in fantasy as well. Like you could kind of draw that um, through line to the end of last season. So I think that Hollywood's a pretty underrated player. I felt that way coming into this year. Um, I was very like, you know, uh, hard eyes on uh, Rashad Bateman. And I still think like, if we can just get a couple more good games out of Bateman to end this year, I, I think I'll probably still prefer Bateman in, in the long run, but Hollywood definitely uh, is still probably pretty underrated in the dynasty space.
0: Nice. I like that. I'm a, I'm a big Hollywood supporter. So I want the affirmation Me after I just had to fight through the Terrace Marshall conversation <laughs> um, <laughs> right, real quick on the way out the door here. Uh, some, some just week 14 notes, uh, some wide receiver, wide receiver matchups. Listen, this is the DFS conundrum every week. Sometimes it works out for both, like last week. But this week against Buffalo, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin?
1: I'm a, I'm a huge Godwin guy, uh, so I'm always almost always going to go with Chris Godwin. But I think this week um, I'll, I'll go with Mike Evans. You know, Notre Davis White, uh, the outside cornerback spot should be suffering for Buffalo. Um, and I, I love that – it was just for a couple of seconds, but I love that the broadcast booth uh, kind of highlighted Mike Evans on some like – crisper comebacks, outbreaking routes, stuff like that. Cause talk about like an old uh, Twitter axe to grind. Like when people, (laughs) like people just think like Mike Evans is, is just this statue that only gets jump balls, whatever. It's like, you go back and look at his reception perception. I mean, he's not up there like, justin jefferson steph diggs or Devonte adams or something like that but he, he's way above like you know what you would th- he's not like Devonte parker i mean give me a break I, I like that he could not function with tom brady was like this this unthinkable thing um yeah I, I really am glad that mike evans has found some success with brady and uh i i think he'd probably be you know just given cost too i think i'd go with him uh, even though i love chris
0: godwin uh, Monday night game. I actually think one of the guys you'll probably get the, a lot of requests for this offseason. You might have did him last year. Is Van Jefferson? Uh, is, is there even a this or, a this or that with Van Jefferson and Odell? Rest of the season uh, can both coexist, or do you have a preference between the two guys?
1: I think they can both coexist, and um, you know they've kind of been moving Van into that like a slot role a little bit as well. They've been using him on more interior patterns, which is. You know, I think he's a good player, man. I I, I have a lot of Van Jefferson on like Did you chart Lord him last year? And... Uh, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't put him on the website. Um, cause just got to it too late. The sample? Uh, I didn't know. If well, am. the game, the sample and the game pass issues that we talked about earlier, but, um, I did, I was encouraging people on the reception perception show and in the discord, like we got, you got to draft Van Jefferson. Uh, yeah, the sample was just too small for Van Jefferson and, and shout out to the NFL. I, I ran out of time, uh, to get, <laughs> to get some of the games in there too. But yeah, I really think this guy's a good player. Um, I think his breakout so far this year, And I would, I would call it like a little mini breakout here for Van Jefferson. I think he's legit. And uh, I think it is, I don't think it's an either or between these two guys. I think they can coexist um, as long as the Rams get back on track from like an efficiency perspective.
0: And you touched on the Odell, you know, mid season reporting data and you can go back and and find the actual data, but uh, not completely washed, correct? No, no, definitely not completely washed. I would say the one
1: area that, Um, like he still gets open. He's always been a very good route runner. And I know there's like a media narrative about like, uh, you know, he's freelancing or whatever. It's like, okay i mean i i don't know but he's out there getting open that's for sure um i would love to know where you got that information from like which specific example of a player wearing number six did you get that uh i'm no, just kidding but uh you know i i think he gets open he gets separation He's always been a very good technician very underrated route runner um he's definitely not and this makes sense because of how many lower body injuries he's sustained he's definitely not as explosive his reception perception used to be like legendary not at a wash level at all but still very good the one area i think he's He's just not as explosive in the open field. Like, he's a one-speed runner after the catch, and some of that showed up in the data that's on the site as well uh, from that sample in-season. Like, those days where he used to just take a slant to the friggin' house, like, I kind of think those days are probably gone.
0: Yeah. Um, is there anyone that you've kind of watched this year as a wide receiver and you, you know, were high on in the data were high on, but you kind of, you know, are I have the feeling that, like, probably when you go back to it this off season won't grade out as well as you're, you're, as they did in the past.
1: I mean, do we want to talk about Brandon Ayuk more or what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's coming I mean, around.
1: He's he's he's, he's coming. playing. Yeah. Oh, he's playing. I mean, he's playing. He's like a uh, top fifteen in receiving yards since week eight. So, I mean, listen, things have come around for Ayuk. I just wonder. um if he'll be as good as he was in his, I still think I'm still very bullish on Ayuk, and I think he's a good player. Uh, it's just a, such a tough offense to evaluate right now. I mean, I do the DFS podcast with TJ for Yahoo and four for four collaboration every single week. And, you know, we said last week, I was like, I love Ayuk, I'd, I'd play him, but like only one of these guys can pop off in a week mm-hmm. in this offense. And like, give me one or two last week, it's going to be George Kittle over Brandon Ayuk. Like, and I mean, when Debo's in there, then it's just a whole nother story too. But um, I, I don't know. I think he'd probably be somebody that's obviously on my radar. Um, but no, for the most part, I feel like everybody that I, I like has, has played pretty well this year.
0: Good, good. Yeah, I mean, listen, the 49ers current construct of their offense is even part of the reason why I think it's even more like the, why they could use Trey Lance. You know, it, it, there's there's know. there's another, if it's this good with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I understand that there's an element like where it could be a little worse with the rookie quarterback, but like, what if it's actually absolutely unstoppable? Like, what if I it's- know. they're
1: still all <laughs> over? Like, they're just all over the middle stuff. And I mean, that was like the thing with Ayuk was, you know, he's a guy who can win on outbreakers. He can win in the vertical game. It's just like and from an efficiency standpoint, it works out for the 49ers. Like, I mean, EPA per play, they love, that's a Jimmy Garoppolo stat right there because it's Mm -hmm. like they stretch. And especially in this version with Eli Mitchell, you know, running like the outside stuff, getting Debo out on the edge on like stretch zone plays and everything. That middle of the field is wide open when you go to play action. It's like, oh yeah, pop pop, pop that thing over the middle if you're Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, But yeah, I wonder what this offense will look like. As long as Trey Lance is good, like he should be able to fully unlock this thing next year. And I kind of, I'm just like, sitting here as an IU guy. And I love Debo Samuel too. This was something I said all off season. It's like you people do not, you will not force me to only like one receiver from one team. <laughs> this is like, this is not going to be the Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore thing all over again. You're allowed to like two receivers from one team. Um, I had a lot of Debo Samuel on like dynasty teams and, and, and redraft teams and everything like that. It's like, this offense should be great. I'm really just hoping we've got like a, low-grade Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes type of situation on our hands here with Trey Lance.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty special when they ran that fourth and one RPO with Garoppolo last week. There was a false start, so it didn't count, but he got stoned uh, on, the, <laughs> on the keeper. It's like, what are we doing here? Not even giving like these types of touches to Lance, but uh, no, I appreciate you taking uh, all the time and, and sharing your, your wealth of knowledge and anyone that wants to see C- the work that Matt's done. I mean, it's all on receptionperception.com. you know dot com. You can go check that out. And you can check out that midseason rookie report and, and, and check out the finite details. And he did other players too that we didn't talk about, like Kadarius Tony and Rondell Moore, even uh, Amon Ra, the Sun God, and I think he did yeah. you did Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Nico Collins. So uh, you can get in the weeds on a lot of uh, you know in-season data. I mean, not a lot of people probably are out there charting Nico Collins, uh, you know, during the season. Uh, <laughs>
1: Another one of those clasher
0: guys that I uh, liked in the second round. We didn't fall in love with him, but liked him where he was uh, at at draft cost. But I I like Nico
1: Collins, though. I I like Nico Collins. I think he can kind of play.
0: Definitely go check out Matt's stuff. Uh, Once again, let everyone know where they can find uh, you on Twitter. uh, If you even want people to tweet you at this time of the year, at at this point of the season, uh, where they can find your work uh, and just everything that you're doing.
1: I uh, know you can find me on Twitter at Matt Harmon, underscore BYB rich uh, hit all the reception perception points. I appreciate that. And of course, uh, yeah, doing fantasy football live every Sunday morning uh, for Yahoo, of course, and the podcast as well. So yeah, plenty of stuff coming up the rest of the season. And yeah, no, definitely, definitely tweet me just, um, you know, I'm, I got, I just can't look at my timeline with the, with the takes in the middle of the game. That's it's too much.
0: Nice. I appreciate it. We love when you take the time and, and bless us with all this wide receiver knowledge. No, we'll be back, uh, you know, in week 15, you know, week 15. Wow. It, it's, it's crazy <laughs> to say for good and bad reasons. Uh, everyone have a great, you know, week 14, hit those cash lines, pull out those last wins. If you need them to get those playoff spots or in your playoff games, good luck to everyone out there. And we'll see you again next week.